festival place, and uh, you'll hear about that in a minute, um, a big crowd of people join him. And then we have what Luke has sermon on the plain, where Matthew has sermon on the mount, Luke's is on the plain, and we'll talk about what that, the difference there. So listen to these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what the ancestors, their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. You have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that we're on that plane. We're on that level place with Jesus and the disciples come down from the mountain. And all the people start to gather, and, and so many people have come, and, and they've come to hear Jesus speak, but also to be touched, to be healed. So many of them need to be healed. And then in Matthew's gospel, what the sermon that follows uh, takes place on the mountain because Matthew wants to emphasize the fact that Jesus is the new Moses. He's, he's like Moses on, the, on, the, on Mount Sinai who brought the Ten Commandments, the original covenant. Jesus is bringing a new covenant from God. But here in Luke, Jesus comes down the mountain and he gets with the people to show that, that, that this is the incarnate Son of God. This is, this is Jesus with us. Yes, he's a miracle worker. Yes, he's the Son of God. Power comes out from him, but he's also that carpenter's son from Nazareth. So we look around and we see this wonderful, diverse group of people. It says they're disciples, and then there's this other group of people. And, and they're from Judea, which is near Jerusalem, where, where this obviously is, is taking place. But then they're also some from Tyre and Sidon. And that's interesting because Tyre and Sidon were northern coastal towns, and they were mainly Gentile towns. And so evidently, even in this part of Jesus' ministry, there are those not in the Jewish faith or the Jewish community that already are coming to know Jesus and perhaps follow Jesus. So what a scene it must have been. And, and I think because of that, we see and we begin to hear Jesus speak and we hear that universal message of Christ. But more than that, we see the universal reach of God's salvation. It was some scene. There were people there that obviously had 
you know, came for all kinds of diseases. They had to have leprosy. Maybe there were those who were lame, and, and people had to carry them to, to Jesus. And, and, and Luke even says there were some with unclean spirits, but Jesus healed them all. It's interesting about healing. Not only were people coming to, to be healed of whatever illness or, or, or pain or disease or disability they had, but they also knew that healing meant something very much more. Because if you had one of those skin diseases or you were disabled or you were out of it, you were not even allowed to go into the temple to worship. And you probably were out of the mainstream of society. So being healed meant you were renewed in your whole life. You were brought back into the community, back into society with people, and more importantly, back into your religious community. And there are those 12 newly appointed disciples, green behind the ears, <laughs> witnessing all of this. They're learning. One, one commentator said, this is training of the disciple, of the apostles. <laughs> and just even before a, a word is spoken of, of teaching or, or, or a lesson, they're learning. They're being taught what this following of Jesus is all about and how it changes your entire life and how you give your life to Christ. The message of God's creation, the message of the new covenant with God's creation. Well, the Sermon on the Plain that, that begins next uh, is, uh, much, begins much like the Sermon on the Mount. It begins with Beatitudes, the blessings that we're familiar with. Now, we're probably a little more familiar with Matthew's versions than with Luke in his gospel. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will see God. Luke has Jesus say, Blessed are you poor. Yours is God's kingdom. Blessed are you who are hungry. You're going to be full. Now, now both of them are talking about hunger and poverty, in, in, I think in a general sense, and, and that, that comes across. But Jesus is right with people. He's using the second person, you. You're poor. You, you're, you who are hungry. You're blessed. You can see them looking in their faces. You're blessed. I don't think they ever heard that before. I'm pretty sure they didn't. <laughs> Never heard it. But the beauty of the Gospels is we've got both Matthews on the Mount <laughs> sermon and we've got Jesus on the plain. We've got both sides. We've got the, the, the authority and power of God that Jesus represents. We've also got Jesus who was tempted in the desert, who knows our every weakness, who can be with us. All along our spiritual journey, Christ can meet us, whether it's in mercy and grace or power and might, asking for repentance or offering mercy and forgiveness. He's there. He's there for us all along the journey. But what we mostly need, I think, what most people need, what we crave is God's blessing. It's good to be blessed. We want to be blessed. We want to feel blessed. We want to know that God loves us. And this sermon, Jesus, but he does it in more ways than this. There are parables about blessing of those who are poor. There are, there are, there are many other teachings and situations where Jesus makes it obvious that God blesses those, especially those who don't consider themselves 
blessed. And Jesus' day, um, the, the, it, it was pretty, uh, pretty conventional wisdom that if you're rich and successful, obviously you're blessed by God. If you're hungry and you're struggling in life, you're obviously not. But Jesus completely turns this idea upside down. You know, Matthew and Luke in their Gospels, it says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the more, those who mourn, people who don't feel very blessed at that time, but they are. But here Luke not only has four blessings, he adds four woes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> right? Whoa, hold up there. Because there's, he, he makes that contrast, that distinction so clearly between those who think they have it made and the world uh, thinks they have it made and those the world discards and shuns. And I believe that's the heart of the passage. That this is the core of this message. The values and the standards of the kingdom of God are not the values and standards of this world. Not the values and standards we're most used to. This is a new relationship. This is a kingdom where the lowly and the humble and the meek are included in God's blessing, in that kingdom. While those who are successful and wealthy, well thought of, be cautious. <laughs> be careful. Don't think you've got it made just because you're successful. Jesus is saying to the poor, your poverty does not define you. You are a child of God just like other children of God, and you're blessed. To the rich, he says, your wealth does not define you. You will not be saved by your riches, by your power and prestige in the world. You can't count on that wealth. It's not going to be there forever. What's that, Sylvia? You can't take it with you? <laughs> Don't let the standards of the world define who you are. Only God can do that. Only God can save your life. Whether you're rich or poor, successful or not, none of that even matters in this relationship with God. I am a dedicated sports fan. Some would say addicted sports fan. So when the Olympics come around, I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. <laughs> uh, any kind of competition, I, I enjoy. Now, if you follow the Olympics at all, this Winter Olympics, you know about a woman named Michaela Schifrin. She is the top skater in the world going into the Olympics. She had won gold medals the last two Olympics. She'd won World Cup championships. She'd done everything, about everything a, a, a skier can do. She was at the top of her game and the top of her sport. She was expected, she entered five different races, competitions in the Winter Olympics, and she was expected to get a medal in, in all of them. But if you followed the games at all or seen the news, you know what happened. <laughs> in her first two competitions, the giant slalom and the slalom, she went off course early in the race and was disqualified, both races. Here's the top skater or skier in the world, and she's done 
in those races right away. So here's somebody who was totally successful at what they do. They were at the top. And in an instant, all that changed. Now that's what sports will do. <laughs> we know that. Winners can lose, when they expect, and those expected not to do too well can win. That's, that's the beauty of sports. But we also know that if you define your life by the wins and the losses, you're in trouble. You're not going to be a fulfilled athlete or person. Hopefully, Michaela will bounce back. I think she will. I think she'll do, do better in the, the other races. She's got all the talent and, and the strength of, of character and emotion that she needs, but we hope she'll do better. But, but that, we know that means there are no guarantees in life. We know that. No matter how talented or successful we are, and we can stake too much on, the, on this life and on, on our success. Those, we know people who have, have banked on a particular business deal or a venture and they put some money into it and they lost it. We know that that happens. And who would have expected a pandemic to come into our world? For two years now, we've been dealing with a pandemic and it has been devastating. Millions of people ill, millions of deaths but also paralyzing economies across the world, throwing people into all stages of poverty and hunger and despair. Now, Jesus knew how fickle the world could be, even in his day, how fortunes could change very quickly. He cautioned the rich and those favored by society, don't depend on it. Don't depend on your wealth for your salvation. In his day, for example, a risk was a, a drought. It was an agricultural community. If you had a, all, your, all your money, all your wealth in herds and in crops and a drought came, you could lose it all. And it was a tenuous time politically. <laughs> you know, countries attacked each other right and left. You didn't know if another neighboring uh, king would come and, and strike. It had happened before. The, the Jewish people had been in exile a couple of times for a long time. They knew what it was like. And, and they were being ruled now by an oppressive Roman government. Trouble could happen at any time. So Jesus says, don't trust that. <laughs> don't trust your wealth. Don't trust your, you, you, those outside influences. Trust God. Trust God. All right, let's imagine ourselves back on that, on that hill. I'll be through in a minute. Those newly minted apostles. <laughs> are there with the, disciple, with the other disciples of Jesus and the crowd, and they're trying to understand what all this is, is going to mean for them. And all that crowd is there. Some are, some are um, committed to Christ. That's why they're there. Others are just probably curious. And Jesus looks at them, and he says to all of them, Blessed are you poor. And, blessed are, and, and you who are rich. He points to them, too. I, th I think, you know, there must have been both categories there. There must have been poor people there, and there must have been rich people there. Now, we know there was at least one rich guy there. He was one of the 12. You know which one? Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collector got very rich in that day. <laughs> Remember Zacchaeus? The story about Zacchaeus? All the money he had? So we know one, one rich guy was there. So the, Jesus is looking right at him and, and, and says, this is, this is you. <laughs> I am here for you, all of you. 
But put yourself in the place of that, that poor person who for the first time in their lives have been called blessed. But put yourself in the place of that rich person who said, believe, he's there with Jesus, he's seen him heal, he's seen him, heard him preach, and he says, blessed are the poor, the hungry? Come on. Blessed is that guy on the corner that's begging when I go by every day? Blessed is that family that comes to glean in my field because they're hungry? They're blessed? Maybe, just maybe, some rich folks in that crowd began to get a new idea, a different idea of what blessing's all about. It's not just me and the people like me that are blessed. It's even the poor and the hungry. This is a level place. Jesus is calling us to a level place. And then he gets into his, his real sermon about loving enemies and not judging, about giving generously, about, about being compassionate and merciful, just as God is compassionate and merciful. Love one another. But Jesus is not just speaking from a level place. Jesus has leveled the playing field. It's level now. In that level place, it says, come together, love one another, just as God loves you. We are, you are, we are all creations of God in God's image. I like what Amy Zeitlow, the Lutheran pastor and author, writes about this passage. She said, Jesus aims to remove any barriers to seeing God's image reflected in our lives. Poverty, hunger, tears, being hated can distort our reflection and convince us that we're all less than human. But Jesus brings blessing and comfort and hope. Restore the sense of holy createdness. She says wealth, full bellies, mirth, the esteem of others can also distort our sense of self. Jesus calls us, she says, to pause, be silent, Make room for God's presence in our lives. Jesus is calling us to this level place, I believe. Calling us together to be with each other. Others that are uh, some like us, some not like us. He calls us to learn from him, to be blessed and cautioned by him. To follow him in this new way. The way of love and mercy and justice. The way of God. Amen.